If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. Some special guests tonight, uh, Steve and Mark from uh, Mud Honey, and and uh, me and Jeff, and uh, a guy named Chuck from Urge Overkill. We're gonna play a couple of Green River songs. I said one Green River song, one Depo song. Uh, you're just gonna have to sit through it because we decided we wanted to do it. So if you guys don't want to hear it, fuck you. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossip. Fucking Cameron in the truck. now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast and so much has happened since we last got on the pod to talk to you guys so much that even when we actually recorded that episode we didn't even have half of what happened in total we didn't talk about la we didn't talk about uh, phoenix we didn't have any of that we recorded really early on but now i think john and i were just talking about this those shows are kind of ancient history based on what happened this weekend in Oakland. And we're going to talk about that to lead off the show, but let's not bury, you know, that, that is a lead, but let's not bury what this, this episode is about because we are preparing for Las Vegas and that's coming up on Friday. And to do that, like perfect timing, like perfect on all, all accounts. We put together Vault Month with the idea of like, okay, let's talk about a bunch of, of, of vaults that we haven't gotten to. And then Vault Month comes along and we're like, oh, yeah, they're, they're playing in L.A. They're playing at the Forum. Yeah, they're, they're playing in, in Vegas. So we can, we can tie these things in and that could kind of be like the, the, the stuff that we did last month, just preparing and, and getting you some of the best shows from past eras. So excited to get to this one. This is a popular one. Aladdin Theater, the first night, 11-30-1993, which we haven't done a 1993 episode in a while, so be good to get back to that era. There's a lot to talk about, but hey, we're going to start off with talking about the tour, because that's that's what we're here for. Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. Hello, hello. And oh, so where where uh, do we start? I mean, I think that, you know, the, the headline of all this is, is of course, we lost Cameron. Cameron, uh, you know, sadly tested positive for COVID. And in his place comes Klinghoffer, who's already there. Great to have that on standby. Eddie called him the Shohei Otani of rock and roll, which that's a great, valuable asset to have. Then we get Richard Stuver jumping in as well. And it's just been 
it's been like a whirlwind past couple days with that and like seeing what has all happened and this is being recorded before the Fresno show. So seeing all that's what what's happened is just it's all nuts. This is this that those two shows might have been the craziest back to back nights in one location that we can remember from a long time. You know, yeah, I, I, I can't think of two. It's usually like the night two is the one with all the rarities and classics and the one that everybody talks about. But I, I said it on the reaction episode. These are kind of like a cohesive story here. You kind of can't have one without the other. Yeah. And I mean, it's the story from nothing man from, from night one at Oakland Bastuvaru just tells the whole thing. Like this guy's been in and around this band for decades now. You know, he's been friends with Jeff for a long time, played in three fish, played in trace mountains, played in random. And for him to get that call and, you know, Ed tells the story. It's just an amazing story. And to get the call, 24 hours notice, show up, play a show, come back the next night, play even better, play an amazing show. I'm just so happy for him to get this moment and that it was able to work out for him. And, yeah, you know, Klinghoffer is the multi-instrumentalist. Like, he's the utility player. He can do whatever you need him to do. He's done a great job, and they're 100% lucky to have him. But... For me, it's it's Stu Vrood has been the story of him coming out and like, you know, the story of him never playing for this many people before and absolutely coming out and just killing it on night two, just confident. The WMA performance, the Bob O'Reilly performance, like those are going to go down in Pearl Jam legend as incredible performances from the history. And I'm glad he was able to be a part of it. And, you know, Cameron's going to be back at some point, maybe in Fresno, maybe in Sacramento, maybe in Vegas. And we'll move on with the rest of the tour, hopefully. And we'll be just a little footnote from this tour. But it'll always be more than that. Like, these shows, he's done an amazing job. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm going to remember. And look, everybody that knows the fantasy leagues that we've been doing the next time we're able to put them together for the next tour, for the next year of tours, every league has been named after a drummer. There are yeah. new leagues here. We will have a Stuverud league. We will have a Klinghoffer league. We we're will have, have an a Arroyo, Newgerman's lead. A Newgerman's league and an yeah. Arroyal league. <laughs> like, that's like Ooh, though, that, everybody that too, right there. Like, yeah, bringing a guy out from the crowd. Like, yeah. And, and, you know, we obviously, you know, by this point, they, you guys have heard that episode. We got to talk to him and, oh, my God. And, like, yeah, Kai Newkerman, 17 years old in a local band. Like, hey, kid, come up and play for 15,000 people with one of the biggest rock bands in the world and, <laughs> and, and fucking kill it. Like, just great stories up and down, man. It's been narrative after narrative on these shows. I just can't wait to see what's next. Yeah, that shirt that, that Josh had. Uh, oh, when he when he was yeah, drumming like yeah. that's a long shirt now like they 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 uh, Ed, Ed acknowledged it and he said all the names and then said put a royal on the bottom but i think josh actually said add klinghoffer add add stuver and now newcrements you gotta add newcrements too like this this was a list that you know I, and honestly jimmy shelf give him a little credit he he played on satan's he never bed played he's live got, though he never played he live. never played live no but yeah. he's he's got a he's got a league name after him so that's something sure. but yeah like this has just been like every 
Tor seems to have something that's like the the big moment that makes you say where whether it's a positive moment or a negative that turns into a positive moment. And 2018, I think what I'm thinking of is is Ed kind of losing his voice box and having to cancel the London show and then coming back the next month and putting together a pretty wild show. Like I think that that right there is the story that everybody will go back to from the 2018 tour. And and right here we're only the fifth six show in and i think we have our story for the whole year unless something else crazy happens in europe or crazy happens in september like we're just getting started on this story that's the crazy thing yeah i think this is this is the first time they've really done like uh, three decent sized legs in in a while and i think maybe all of them might have a different story to them which honestly Play that story. I'm excited to see it play out. And at the time that you're listening to this, I'd probably be moseying around Sacramento right now with my GoPro talking to people and maybe getting merch or something like that. And, you know, I'm just ready for to experience those moments. And when I do, we will talk about those just as like we've talked about all the rest of the shows. Those will be on our Patreon. That's what we've been doing for our reaction episodes over on there. And if you want to join that, more on that later. But patreon.com slash live on four legs it's only a dollar a month to join you get the reaction episodes those are great stuff and you get some more episodes we can talk about that later in a little bit or if you join and you want to know what else is there or you're thinking about joining want to know what else is there then uh we'll let you know and we'll send it to you so all right let's get into vegas a little bit we got a show on friday it could be a big one redacted because i don't know if cameron came back on fresno because we're recording this on saturday but he might return at Sacramento. He might return in Vegas, but you know, Vegas has been known for some pretty big shows and this started it all. Yeah. Pretty big shows. You could say that a certain 10th anniversary show would, would like a word, but well, uh, that, I, yeah. I, that's yeah. the pretty big show that I'm referring to. Yeah. Yeah. You talk about the 1993 run and the 1993 era, and it's it's kind of a different band than they were in 1992. They're a little bit more moody. They're you know they're dealing with fame in a different way, and they just want to be left alone, and they don't want to be in the public eye. And it really shows earlier in that tour. At at this point, they're leaning towards the end of it, and it seems like towards the end, out of what I've been able to hear and listen to and experience with this. It feels like they have loosened up a little bit, that there is still like a little like Ed's not connecting with the crowd kind of deal, but they've at least put together some really great shows this year. Oh, yeah. 93 is classic after classic, especially this November, December run. And yeah, just amazing stuff. I mean, they were coming off of the versus release just on a high and Every show is just classic after classic. I mean, you've got two albums to work with now, so they're able to stretch out the sets a little bit, and they're able to work some different things in, and you're even, you know, we'll talk about it here, you're starting to see some stuff from the next album even creep in. So, yeah, just an exciting time. And, yeah, every show felt like a huge event. This actually, this was a widely circulated bootleg, which we'll get to talk about in just a second. And then what happened was it ended up being a vault. And I think like, I think it was one of the middle ones. I think it was towards the middle. Maybe it was closer to the earlier side. I don't know if it's five or even three Mm. that, that escapes me at the moment. I'll, I'll find it and we'll know by the end of the episode, you know, I, I wonder if that and knowing the bootleg aspect of it, if that was the reason why this became a release, you know, this was 2015, 
So I think it was probably three or four that they were working with. But I always would see this bootleg around and I, you know, but I wasn't a person who, who was able to pay 60 or $70 for a bootleg CD. But when I finally got a tape of it, I mean, this was, you know, the reason this was sought out, it's the the Green River stuff at the end, like that made this unique and like one of a kind and like yes there's some absolutely great moments in the set you can even see you know we'll get to it when when ed introduces green river just that that was what this was all about this is what made this set yep absolutely this was yeah you're right it was 2015 it's vault number five and i believe we had mentioned mount baker theater and we thought it was like six it was four so that was out in 2014 sorry for that mistake sometimes we make them Let's kick it over to our guys on our sister podcast, Hallucinogenic Recipe. They've been doing stuff for us for a while. They're going to continue doing some stuff. And honestly, I've I've been lagging a little bit because they've been early Patreon releases, and then I've promised to put them out on a regular platform. But this month has been so crazy with content that unfortunately had to take a little bit of the backseat. And then in June, we're going to release some more episodes that they've done to the main platform so you guys will be able to experience that because i definitely don't want their work to go unheard and that's why i invited them on for today they're going to talk a little bit about the history of this bootleg so here's patrick here's brian hey everybody welcome it is patrick and brian from hallucinogenic recipe and we are here to give you a little bit of a short take on pearl jam Vault number five from the Aladdin Theater in 1993. Brian, how's it going? It's going great. How's it going with you? It's going excellent. So we're both going to be heading out to Vegas shortly. So here we are talking about a show that happened in Fair Nevada 29 years ago. Let's talk about sort of the overall impact of this show in the vault series in the pantheon of the taping world at the time this one as an audience tape was not as readily available as some of the shows in the era and its actual development into the tape trading community actually happened out of the ordinary when the first phase of the pearl jam base camp distribution of bootlegs was being tested this show and a couple of others had been kind of leak tested as how it was going to be distributed among the fans when they were getting official bootlegs from the 10 club and what ultimately happened was uh, many fans found out about it and it started to circulate a little bit and eventually down the road it was released as an official vault to lp vinyl and then on cd So what are your recollections on this particular release, both from before the official bootlegs and then from the vault era? Yeah, I mean, I think we'd be remiss if we don't, you know, mention the fact that the following night, which is one of my favorite shows from that era, is in the hallucinogenic recipe box set. And I know that show forward and backwards. I think the 1130 show, I, I had to go back and look at my tapes. I did not have this show on tape back in the day. This is not one that I traded for. Or it was not one from that tour that I had. I seem to recall, I, I was actually looking through my old CDRs as well. I didn't have it back then either. I seem to recall having an audience of this, you know, sometime in the early 2000s or so. I, you know, we were just talking about this. I think this show, when they announced it, that it was going to be the release, I was actually excited because I didn't know it very well. It was not one on my radar. 
that I was very familiar with. I knew the next night, I knew a bunch of shows from like earlier that month and then earlier in, in October as well, plus some of the December shows. But this one, you know, was not ingrained in my memory. I was excited when it came out. I, I will say this. I, I know we were just sort of talking about this right before kind of kicking off the show. But to me, there definitely is something lacking in the recording of it. There's a very, it's very sterile sounding. It almost reminds me of like the Europe 2000 shows that, that people complain about. The, the shows are phenomenal, but the recording, it's very, it's very flat. It's lacking a lot of punch, a lot of bass. You can tweak the equalizer to kind of make it work a little bit. But to me, this, this Vegas show, there's something going on there in the recording where it's, it's just a little sterile. Like there's a little power, a little oomph missing. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know, I I had said earlier, you know, the idea that the 95 double fan club release that that had come out obviously had a couple of tracks that were from this performance that ultimately weren't actually on the the vault release. Um, And it kind of has a vibe of that where it's missing that extra dynamic in the mix where it doesn't have the complete fullness and it just feels like there's a little bit of punch missing and for the era that it's in that's something like a lot of fans a lot of fans that have been around for a while definitely crave the idea of getting back to some of these shows because it is an era that we don't have a ton of soundboards from so to have that opportunity and then to kind of have it be a touch lackluster was a little bit of a bummer i think the double whammy with that was that whole pre-leak that happened via base camp where you know people had access to it it was actually being bootlegged and actually being bootlegged on vinyl for years which was you know part of the impetus of uh the fan club ultimately releasing it as a vault series as well which kind of just left that weird vibe of like eh, there's got to be a little bit more in there you know particularly from this era all right thanks everybody we're gonna flip it back to john and randy all right. Thank you so much to Patrick and Brian and uh, great insight as always. This is stuff that you can't read about many places. You just don't really know where to find it. And it's all kind of just coming from memory so that they're able to a remember all this stuff B have kept all this stuff and C now sharing all this stuff is really, really valuable. And that's why we really wanted to do this show and, and, and have it under our umbrella. Cause it just, it ties in so well to what we're doing. And, and again, they do a great job. If you want to follow them on Twitter, it's elusive recipe on Twitter. And I believe if you want to email them about just a story of bootlegs, or maybe you recorded something, maybe you taped something, you can email them at hallucinogenic recipe at gmail.com. So once again, thanks guys. That was great. Appreciate it. All right, I'm going to get to another thing right now before we get into the Vegas episode. So over at the second night in Oakland, and this was a long time coming for a young kid named Reese Jones. And Reese has a GLUT1 deficiency that's a rare genetic disorder impairing brain metabolism. The GLUT1 is responsible for the transport of glucose from the blood into the brain. And it's a main source of fuel for the brain. A shortage of glucose leads to impairment of brain function and growth. This is scary stuff, like, and it's extremely rare. Like, hearing that a kid is suffering from this, I, I, I'm, I'm unsure of his age. He seems like he's around the 10 to 12 range. He seems like a very nice kid. And, like, for him to get something massive, and you have to give all the credit to Given Alive. 
for helping this and putting this together because they've done so much work with other people that have been disabled, disadvantaged, excluded, and, and have gone through problems that they've wanted to reach out to them, help them have this experience of going to a show because you know for for some families that have to deal with monster doctor bills like big big doctor bills and a lot of you know stress taking care of it and and really it's a lot of work and you know for for one night they're able to put that aside and go see their favorite band and and experience something special because it doesn't happen to everybody, and everybody, it should happen to everybody. So, given Alive, a nonprofit organization that takes vulnerable, disabled, disadvantaged, and excluded individuals to see their favorite bands, they believe in the power of live music, and nobody should miss out on the experience. I'm going to send it over to Tom Pugh, who was nice enough to sit down with Reese after the show and ask him about his whole experience and, and what happened, and you know some of the people that he met, some of the nice little gifts that he got. It's uh, it's a great story so here's tom and reese hi i'm tom from given to live and last night we took an amazing young man reese to see pearl jam in oakland and we're gonna have a little chat right now and find out his experience um hello reese hey how you doing today good okay so once upon a time this whole journey started 27 months ago when we what was it like to find out when we got in contact to say you're gonna go and see pearl jam it was mind-blowing. Mind-blowing? Yeah. Yeah? And then, there's a whole pandemic thing happens, and you've got to wait. What was all that waiting like? Uh, it was pain just having to wait that whole time mm-hmm. until the dates got uh, re-announced. Yeah. And then it was all systems go. And we got, we, got, uh, we got the show, it was yesterday, and... Uh, well, we had a poster made for you. How was your poster and your T-shirt? It was crazy. It was crazy? Yeah, overwhelming. Yeah? Well, I mean, and I saw it overwhelming. I mean, we had the sort of event for you at, at Plank, and there was, what, 30-plus people there? That must have been yeah. pretty amazing for you. All these people wanting to come down and visit with you. Yeah. Yeah? And then you were signing autographs? Yeah, I'm signing posters. Yeah, and I'm looking at you and it's kind of like, hang on, I know that Eddie better does this, but Reese is doing this. And there was a queue, wasn't there? Yeah, there was a line. Yeah, what was it like to have a line of people to sort of sign their, the Given to Life poster that we did for you? That was cool. Yeah? Yeah. And how was the show? It was amazing. Yeah, what were, what were the highlights? Not the lowlights, excuse the pun. <laughs> what were the highlights for you? Uh, the actual show. Well, getting hmm? the shout out from Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Even though he messed that up. He did mess it up. Apparently, I became your dad for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah. Um, he was. Uh, yeah. Ed was. I think. Yeah. He was uh, not his not his best moment there. But he was. I think he was having a tough night all around. Yeah. Yeah. What songs were your favourites from last night? Um. I don't know. Probably like Immortality and. Alive and like my tremendous. I tell you what, Immortality I think is my personal favorite. It's got lots of different, it came out at a time in my life when I was really struggling and then a lot of the lyrics really speak to me. So that's, mm-hmm. that's cool, that's one of your favorites as well. Are you too bothered? Because I know you wanted to answer the clairvoyance. Are you too bothered that wasn't played? Uh, no, it makes sense. Yeah? Yeah. And 
we never know what we're going to get with the show. Exactly. And you had a pretty good night. Now, before the show, something happened that you weren't expecting, isn't it? Yeah. Do you want to tell them what happened? I got a poster for me signed by the band. Uh, uh, yeah, but there's a bit more to it than that, isn't there? It's like you got a personal delivery from... Yeah, the person who delivered it was the manager of the band. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of went out into a hallway and we opened stuff up and there was you know, T-shirts and what have you. Yeah. And then the last thing to come out was that poster. Yeah, that was that was not expected. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And you seemed like you may have kind of been touched by that a little bit, might have been a yeah. little excited. Yeah. Yeah? For me doing what we do at Come to Live and seeing your reaction. I mean, it was just incredibly beautiful and incredibly moving and you, know, like you and your dad together and, and your mum. Yeah. You know, and what about, I mean, the actual words that they wrote to you, it wasn't just signed by their name. They took interest in you, haven't they? Yeah. What, what's that like to know that those guys, Ed, you know, well, not Matt, because he wasn't there, but, you know, and Ed Stone, they all knew who you were. That was just crazy because it's like they know who I am I'm not just like a person in the crowd no you weren't you were Reese you know, yeah. Ed's, Ed's, Ed's message on it was beautiful and I've seen you know I know they do some signposts but without yeah. the message but you had flat out messages straight direct to you and like you say they knew who you were Yeah. and they still know who you are today exactly Yeah. even though Ed might think I'm your dad for a minute there. <laughs> But that's okay. Yeah. Is there, um, I mean, what was it like? Anything else that stands out, the whole thing? Because it's, it's been, um, I know it's been pretty mind-blowing for you, overwhelming. Yeah. You, you'd yeah. never sleep, what time do you normally wake? Uh, like 8.30. And your mum was just saying you've never slept till half past 10 in your life. Yeah. And that was what time, it took it out of you, didn't it? Yeah. Fun, excitement, emotion. Yeah. Anything else you want to throw in? Uh, say about the show or what happened or get to live or you know anything no it was just a fun time just a fun time yeah I think that's you're understating there aren't you it was a bit more than just it a was, fun time it was a great time uh, excellent thanks a lot Reese. appreciate that man yeah all right. Once again, thank you to Given Alive and, and Tom. And of course, thank you to Reese. Uh, your story's great. And just power through it, man. Like, we're, we're here with you. We're on your side. And, uh, you know, we, we can't wait for the next show you go to because it'll definitely, you know, you'll have that feeling again. That's what you deserve, man. That's, that's what we all want to go through. And yeah, you deserve to have that because you matter. Yeah, we'll be thinking about him for sure. All right. Why don't we head into our Aladdin Theater show? This was actually originally scheduled for the Sands Hotel in Vegas. And there's not a lot of information on why that got switched. But it's it's just funny because I guess a couple of weeks ago, our Sacramento show that happened in 1995. And again, different eras, so different reasonings. 93, they were still using Ticketmaster, I suppose. The venue changed in 1995 from Lake Tahoe to the Cal Exhibition Center. And it's kind of funny that a couple weeks later, we're getting another situation where they had to change venues. Yeah, my my thought would be that it would be just size. You know, you think of a, a hotel, ballroom type place, 
and the way that, that Pearl Jam was exploding after Versus, you know, setting a record for almost a million CDs sold on in one week. Yeah, I got to think that there was probably just a matter of, of they, they needed a bigger place. Maybe it was ticket demands, too, because this is Could night be. one of, of two. They, they played again on, on the first, so... Maybe they had a big ticket demand. And look, there's only 7,000 attendants. That's for the biggest band in the world. That's pretty low. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. you would think that right off the bat, they would, they would put these guys in arenas. They would put these guys in stadiums. And either they didn't feel like they were ready for it yet, or, you know, they, they've always been sort of accustomed to smaller venues and, and being intimate with the crowd. And maybe they said like, yeah, we're, we're not at that point. We're not at that point where we hit arenas. So, and they wanted a gradual rise. Like they didn't want to like skip those steps. Cause that's the way it goes. You start playing small clubs, then you work your way out to the big clubs and you start playing theaters and then you get to like your amphitheaters and your arenas and stuff like that. And I think they wanted to like earn their keep and wanted to work their way up like all the other bands did. Yep. And that's very admirable. And look, sometimes you can't get to that level. Sometimes you're taking a gamble on yourself. Sure. No pun intended, since we're talking about Vegas. But you take a gamble on yourself to, you know, that you are confident enough to reach that level and and set that expectation for yourself. And, and you know, sometimes, you know, for either bands or, or athletes that don't take big contracts because... Like say like a team is is about to give them a contract and they think that they're worth more money, so they hold out and either they play better and are awarded a massive contract or they don't and they kind of have to settle for something you know lesser than and it it just happens and I think that everybody wants to prove themselves and this is a great case and maybe a rare case that they were able to live out and accomplish that. So let's get into the show. The opener is different because it's not release, it's not oceans, it's not wash, it's not one of the normal openers that you, you've grown to like. It's it's a song that has only been opened with 28 times. However, we're pretty familiar with it right in the middle of the main set. Even flow opens the show. Yeah. 
almost harkens back to like the summer '92, the Lollapalooza tour, sure. where they were, they were coming out, and you know, you only have a certain amount of time, so you want to punch people in the face. And here, you know, knowing what's going to happen later, they probably felt like they didn't have as much time as usual, mm-hmm. so maybe they wanted to go back and like, hey, let's not waste any time here. Let's go ahead and get into it. And I think after this, I'm looking right now. I think. Even Flow looks like it only opened two other shows after this. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And the next night they end up going with release. So to your point, they're they're making time for Green River, and I think yep. both shows are, are ninety minutes long. Like that's pretty short in comparison to what we know for Pearl Jam now. That's that's an hour and a half. So you, you'll see them, the main set is I think thirteen or fourteen songs long. Like that gets you to the mid set nowadays almost. Yeah. So, what'd you think about this version? Like, the big, to get you going, like, that feels, yeah, that energy really kicks you off. And Stone just just shaking his butt there at the beginning, just cracking me up. Oh, you like Stone's butt, huh? It it was hilarious to see, because, like, obviously, you know, here they are, they're in Vegas, they're in a good mood, starting with even flow right off the bat, and and Stone just, like, doing his little shimmy there right from the beginning, It it was fun to see. Yeah, Stone in this early time, like, I think he gets to kind of more, like, what we know of Stone now in 96. It feels like 96, he kind of does his signature weird stuff. But in, in 92, 93, he's, he's, he's got some moves, and I think he's more, like, less weird, I suppose. But we love him weird. for... Stone's always weird. Of course, Stone's always weird. But I think that, like, he definitely kind of caved in during the no-code era, obviously, with... Uh, it leaned you know, into it, yeah, a little more, right? Yeah, the traffic cone and, and uh, some of the duck waddles and, and stuff like that, yeah. But, yeah, this this was fun. Great energy kicking off. And I think that... I, I want to mention this now because we got the next three coming up, and it's kind of relevant because of how we've seen Gigaton on this tour. And there's been a little less of Gigaton. You would have thought that most of the songs would have opened up the show like they would have opened up like like they did the festivals with Super One Wolf Moon or Dance Clairvoyance or Quick Escape or something like that. And this is exactly kind of like what we're dealing with. We're not getting a versus song until the fifth song in. It's Evenflow, Once, Deep, and Jeremy all right off the top. And then we'll have a nice little run of verses. We'll have four verses and then we'll get into another 10 era, a brand new one. 10 versus 10 to end the main set so they're really they're splicing it up here and that's the best way to kind of go about it i think obviously everybody wants the versus stuff but of course 10 is what they've been living with for two three years so the crowd reacts to it well they're obviously surfing they're obviously making movement and some of these songs you can see just the crowd's heads the seat of the crowd's heads below kind of bobbing and that's a really cool visual we'll get to that when we get to that but Anything on these three, once Deep Jeremy, what what do you think was the, the big standout? I think there are a couple things. It's It's got to be deep. I think Ed just summoning demons on that intro, and you get the full 1993 Descent into Madness. That was definitely the highlight of these for me.
I don't know if you caught this. There's a moment, I think, before, you know, Ed kind of gets into On the Edge of Christmas Clean Love, where he strolls over to Stone, and he's, like, screaming at Stone. And he's, yeah. like, viciously looking at him. And Stone kind of just perks his face. He's like, oh, hi. Okay. Uh, hey, dude. I'm doing my up? thing, so. Yeah. Uh, cool. Cool, you man. Good? I'm good. Okay. <laughs> another classic stone moment stone's a big story in the show he'll be mentioned a lot later let's let's just say that because stone gets very giddy and very excited for the green river reunion which (laughs) of course of course he should yeah yeah and it's just great stuff i i think jeremy needs to be mentioned here too dave is great in this whole entire section they're like these are all three songs that dave really gelled with and i think that deep is always one of the ones where like that's a a typical dave a one where he's able to to shine but in jeremy like you know there's the moment where ed's doing a like i always talk about that from the early eras because it feels like he's kind of digging into some sort of trance and it's almost like he he kind of closed out everything else that, that's around him. They closed out the crowd, closed out the band, and he's just like dead-eyed, just screaming this, and he's just in a mood during this. This is four songs in. Kind of rare for the time where you kind of get loosened up more towards the middle, I suppose, but like he's in some sort of shape during Jeremy, and that just, it's fantastic. Yeah, the... The hoo-hoo's go on for a long time. Like, long time. Much, much longer than we've almost ever seen before or since. They just sound great. They just sound great. And, of course, being in that era, you know, Jeremy's coming off a year of being the biggest song in the world, and you get out of the way early, and now you're going to talk about the new stuff. And, uh, well, we're going to talk about drinking out of a shoe for a second. Let's get into that before we get into verses. So... Ed says, hello, somebody's throwing a shoe up here, and I'm told it got some writing on it. It's very interesting. Says, I love me, I love me, I love me, I love me, I love me. I can't say it like he says it. I can't even remember how he says it. He gets kind of more intense and more sarcastic towards it. But apparently they do love themselves more than mud honey. He then pours a little bit of the wine bottle he's holding into the shoe, and of course, this is very classic for him. During this time, the drink out of the shoe, that gets the big crowd reaction. Of course. Of course. So, four verses in a row here, and it's great that Dissident is number one, because I really like this version of Dissident, and now it's relevant in our minds, because they just did Dissident in Oakland. They almost never play it. Outside of, like daughter and, and small town and rearview mirror the ones that really have stuck around from versus distant sort of faded out even with being a radio hit and it's because ed can't quite hit that level that in this version i thought he just mastered i thought he killed this version you were able to hear what he did on on friday and the song's a little down tune it kind of even like some of the verse stuff sounds a little country-ish in a way, like, kind of gets a little twangy a little bit. It, it sounded very huh. clean, uh, you know, compared to what they're doing here. That's, like, a little bit more visceral, but still has got the poppy sound. But but Ed's voice is really able to soar on this. A little bit of growl, a little bit of soar. And then what happens at the end, John? What happens? What happens? I just want to know. I want you to say. There's no spoken doesn't here. The last couple of times we've gotten a little spoken intro where, you know, escape is never the safest plan. But... No, he's he's hitting it here. Oh, 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 oh,
and I think maybe shortly after this, he doesn't really hit it much anymore, but yeah, this is dissident. This is dissident. Look, dissident is not, this is kind of a tweener song for me. Like sometimes I get really high on it. Sometimes I'm just like, okay, take it or leave it. Yeah. And then I know. Yeah, I know. I know you don't. And I, I think I liked it more, you know, in my earlier listening to Pearl Jam days, but you know, Here's the thing. Now I hear a version like this and I'm juiced up on it again. <laughs> like, I really, really enjoyed it. And cool. maybe it's the fact that he did it at the end and that every time I hear it, I'm waiting for that. And maybe that just excited me. But I, I, I love that coming up next is Daughter. And Daughter, you can say, is, is a highlight of the show. There's a lot of things going on here. A lot of Beatles references, a lot of John Lennon references. But before that, I, I want to comment on Stone's guitar tones. It's got like this buzz sound to it. And like Ed's doing the hollowed out vocal stuff. And Ed mentioned at one of the shows recently, it might have been the first night in Oakland that he did a dedication to somebody. And then he ended up saying, well, this next song is dark. This is this is a dedication, but it's dark. And he was telling a, a nice, positive story. And I think that like taking that theme and that aspect of what daughter is and hearing this version that that pretty much fits that theme of, of just darkness and and a little bit of, of of tension oh absolutely like this is absolutely a dark song like it's about abuse and all of that you know not a happy song and i think like but the tags here you know you get an instant karma tag and then an across the universe tag been a few Beatles tags that have been been added on Daughter over the years. It really gives the song a little more weight, especially being around this time when they're kind of exploding. Like, you need to think of Beatlemania, and now it's kind of Pearl Jam mania, and I think he's kind of channeling that a little bit, and, like, they maybe didn't deal with it the same way, but he's kind of thinking about that a little bit. And the Daughter tag is always kind of a window into how he's thinking on a certain night. So, yeah, I like this a lot. Hey, look, Beatles kind of maybe were more humbled by their fame and maybe they kind of leaned into it a little bit, but it's by no means did they feel comfortable with it. At least John and, yeah. and George, I don't think, did. And of course, you know, the, the thing that you can attach to both acts and, and a lot of rock bands, amazingly, is that they went to India. 
they went to India and just found peace and found meditation. And it's a weird trajectory to say that Pearl Jam and the Beatles kind of followed on the same one, but I don't think it's wrong. Like, look, I don't think Pearl Jam would have ever had the screaming girls at a stadium show sort of deal like like yeah. they did at Shea Stadium or something like that. But it's a different era. It has the crowd surfers. It has the, the mosh pit. So yeah, you could say that, you know, you're talking about, you know, Ravi Shankar, Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan. Yeah. Like that's mm-hmm. a, that's a parallel. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So more verses coming up. Of course, you got the back to back that has been hurting me in fantasy. Dang it. They did play animal, which was great, but no go so far. No go is a no go. Go into Animal, of course, the two first album tracks, and there's a lot of feedback ripping before Go. And then once you kind of you hear that feedback and you're kind of anticipating, you're like, okay, what's this? What's this? And they've done that before on Go, but then it comes in, they just rip into it. Those heads down below, they are just bouncing during Go. Intense, one of those rip-roaring, intense renditions. And even towards the end, I don't, I don't know if you noticed, but like, Daybase sort of starts to challenge Mike. Hmm. Like, he gets a little bit faster, and he's he's challenging Mike to, okay, rip, go, 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 yeah, get yeah. faster, and charge towards the end. He's popping the snare. The snare sounds great on this. Like, that's a really intense rendition of this. One of the highlights. Yeah, there's a cool moment, I don't know if you saw this too, where right before the solo, Ed goes over to talk to Stone, and, like, as Mike is soloing, Ed kind of, like, points his thumb back at Mike, like, over his shoulder, like, hey, get a load of that guy. Like, there's a little, like, oh, he's gonna take it now. But, oh, yeah, goes incredible. Oh, my God, I, you know, it takes me back to being 15 years old and, like, putting this CD in my car on the on the day that it came out and just being blown away. Yeah, 1993 Go is, is one of the best. I don't know what happens, but Stone gestures over to Jeff, who's wearing this orange coat. And he's like, hey, how about that coat? How about that coat? I oh, don't know just, what the fuck. Who knows? Yeah, like something they looks like they got from like a thrift store or something, but like a full on look like flames on it or something. And he just wearing it for half of the animal. And then he like kind of loses it and he attaches it to the base. And kind of plays around with it, but definitely a mood. They're having some fun. Weird Pearl Jam fashion moment. That's what you can call that. Yeah. And look, I think that Go is so good right here because Daughter kind of brings you down a little bit. It kind of gives you a little bit of a pace changer and then go back up. And then what you want when you have Go and you're trying to follow up on it is momentum. You want to continue the momentum, and obviously you have the seamless transition of Animal. They they don't make it seamless here. They stop for the coat, but it's just it's building, and it's getting to yeah. an all, all-time high. Great stuff yeah, from Mike. 
you already used Evenflow to begin with. And so you kind of, like you said, this main set's only 13 songs. So you kind of break it in half, like the first half of Evenflow to Daughter and like you're building up and then Daughter and then Go is kind of the reset to like, okay, here we go. We're over the hump now. Let's bring it back up to get us through this thing. Again, just goes up from there because you get into the state of love and trust too. Another good glue and continue of momentum song, and there's there's somewhere in between this where Ed is you know mentioning crowd surfers, just be careful, and then he proceeds to get something chucked at him during Animal, probably another shoe. Into state of love and trust, he says, "Vas Legas, this is Mike McCready." And yeah, like Mike is sounding great again. It's heavier than your standard State of Love and Trust solo. It's a deeper sound. And then you get, of course, Dave getting the power pounding in there and just pops in the mix. You know, everybody has their style that makes them stand out. But like Dave A's snare is one of the best Pearl Jam percussion moves. Yeah, State of Love and Trust, it's one now that they use a lot differently, but here, coming off the single soundtrack, it fits perfectly after Go and Animal, I think, and this is another standout performance from this night. Like I said, this is a great Dave A show, and there's another one coming up later that I'm going to talk about where Dave really impressed me, and there's a really good solo, I think, too, you know, talking about Mike, he's doing like a repeated kind of wah-wah pedal thing, and it, it sounds really good. I really like this performance. from the show because this is a seamless transition there's no talking there's no nothing before that there's no okay we're gonna try something there's no like this is from the next coming album there's no we don't know what the song is this is a seamless transition from state of love and trust into the debut of tremor christ
This is a song that no one had ever heard before. This is right after verses, and they're still creating songs. How many times have we talked about that? That they're not done, they're not satisfied with just what they have. They got they got to continue creating, especially when they're on the road. They were not afraid to get this out of the open. You know, it's raw. You could tell that it's been worked on, but it's still like they need to understand it. They need to kind of fall in love with it and, and so figure it out. It's a nice way to put it. It's a nice way to put it. It's a little yeah. rough. Mm-hmm. There's lyrics in the wrong spots, and then they get into the chorus like midway through the verse, and Ed's kind of singing over that, and you're like, all right, we know that they're not on the same page, but they're finding a way to make it sound like they're not fucking up. And and maybe if you're there that day or like listening a month or so later and you don't know what the hell Tremor Christ is, maybe you say, hey, that was pretty good. But we know what the damn song is now. So we can kind of say, yeah, they botched this. But for a debut, and maybe up until like at least where you hit the album, at least when it's recorded for the album and people know what the album version sounds like, you, you do have a pass. So, you know, I like how they tried it. And honestly, like once they get past the first hiccup, the ending sounds really good. Like just fun. And you can tell that they're finding groove, they're getting into it. There's no hesitation at the end like when we talked about like the second version of habit a couple weeks ago there was a lot of uncertainty and it seemed like they were just like okay fuck it just just go let's see where it goes with this and it sounded good towards the end i'll I'll give them credit for that well you're being very generous there's a part i think near the end i think you can see stone just laughing he's just like oh this is just a train wreck but you know, it's, it's not as bad as some of the train wrecks we've seen in the past, but it would get better from here. I'll put it that way. But absolutely, I'm with you. Like, love it. You know, break out a new song. Sure. You know, they probably just had written it the previous week, even, you know, on the road. So I absolutely love that they did it. I wish they would still do new songs. I, you know, we know that they have new songs right now that we don't know about. They're working on a new record. So yep. they've got these songs in their back pocket. But yeah, you know, don't go into this thinking that you're going to get a pristine version of Tremor Crack. Almost every Vitalogy song got debuted before Vitalogy. I think a lot of you guys know that that's tuning in. And almost none of them, I would say probably zero of them besides maybe Whipping, ended up being recorded on the album the same way. All right, we get 10 versus 10 to end this set. It's Black into Blood into Alive. I think Black definitely needs a spotlight here because it's a great build. It's The whole song is just a masterclass of finding your moment, building off of it, working off of it, and just escalating. One of my favorite things that doesn't get interpreted in Black too much nowadays, but it, it, back then it did, is that chorus like, the band stops, essentially and let's Ed do his thing and sort of just sing over that.
after they finish that, you know, all the love go, and they come right back in, and it just gets louder, it gets more passionate, it gets more emotional, and the band starts firing away. Dave starts firing away, Mike starts going, Jeff and Stone start doing the backup vocals. This is an excellent version of Black. Now, I'm going to say something that might be a little... I wouldn't say controversial, but, like, it's definitely a hot take here. It's almost like as if you took the unplugged version and tried to match the energy with doing it electric. I think you'd have something very close to this. I don't know about that. That would be something. They have the We Belong Together. The only thing that they're missing is screaming the Surrounded by Kids at Play. That's the only thing they're missing that's not, I think, kind of comparable. Well, there's there's intangibles, too, that you gotta think about, but I'm on board up to a certain point. This was the one I was talking about with Dave where he really impressed me. You close your eyes and I ask you to think of what Dave Abrazis looks like behind the drums for Pearl Jam. You're gonna think of like, he's got the cigarette dangling down, he's got a smile on his face, he's kind of playing on the splash cymbals and he's happy-go-lucky guy in a good mood. But if you watch him during this black performance, like he is hunched over, he's focused, he's beating the shit out of these drums and we don't usually see him play like that so you know that there was something going on here something special that they were locked into and yeah this really impressed me i don't know if i'm willing to go on record as being like the unplugged translated to electric version that is high praise it is high Um, but i i will say that this was very good and there's there's a cool moment too i think someone throws a shirt at Ed and it lands on his shoulder. He doesn't even yeah. flinch, doesn't miss a beat uh-huh. and ends up like tying it around his head. Like they are locked in on this. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so great. Blood alive. Ending your set. Blood is the quintessential 1993, 1994, 1995 song. Those three years is like blood is hitting 300, getting like 35 bombs and 120 RBIs. Like blood's MVP in this era. I think maybe the MVP for the 1994 tour. And you're getting it towards the end of the set. It becomes completely unhinged. You get Ed massive screams, of course, and just like letting it all out, letting it loose, and then starts smashing the floor with the mic stand. Now, he's not making the hole like he would in one of the 1995 shows, or I believe the Boston Garden where he did it. But it's just like the scene is just electric and just powerful to watch. Yeah, and even in Blood 2, Dave does the studio version little drum flare intro thing which was cool you know we talk about that with go a lot but he does it here on on blood and yeah super intense you know this is the showstopper for 1993 follows up and of course just gonna say this but ed for all of what he's become and and the great person that he's become of course he had his moments in 1993 and essentially you know he's calling his mom a fucking bitch and that's just a little cringeworthy to listen to now not a great moment but he's a different guy you know so you just got to bring that up i think what what popped at me in the video was that jeff was really showing his high jump skills, his basketball skills. He's jumping out there, and, and that's yeah. not the last time he's going to jump in this show. He's going to jump a lot, but wasn't you know, the first two animal. He was all over the place. Mm-hmm, yeah, and you know it just leads to a lot of energy on stage. Like the stage feels 
palpable. It feels like they're they're leaving it all out there, and it's a good setup for what's to come. Absolutely. Being the main set ender here, they ramp up the ending a little bit, you know, knowing that this is going to be the end of the set and they're going into the encore break. The the ending has a little more juice to it. It absolutely kicks ass at the end. And 13 songs. That's it. 13. Yep. It lasted about 55 minutes, I counted. That's unheard of now. But for what this show was and what they had to do with this show. Oh, yeah. They got plans. They, they, got, mm-hmm. they got plans. They got, got stuff to do later. Absolutely. So honestly, let's stop for a second and then we'll talk about those plans. We're going to pause for station identification and talk about what's happening on Patreon. And I am just right now, I'm a little bit speechless. I'm a lot humbled. And from what we're doing and and all the tour reaction stuff, I put it on Patreon with the idea that people that have been signed up and listeners of this podcast for a long time. I I had made the promise to them that they were going to be the first to get to our reaction stuff. And as a thank you to them, they're getting what we promised them. And then it's kind of like everybody else that hasn't been a patron that hasn't been following along on the show. It's an opportunity to get you other content. And look, I know a lot of people that would love to hear this stuff on the main platform. And I agree, it should be for everybody. And we'll see what happens when we move forward. But this week was just amazing to see how many people pitched in and how many people wanted to get the content and hear our reaction to the tour. And that's just very humbling. And I thank everybody for, for signing up. It's a long list of names, so I'll get to everybody. First, I'm going to get to two existing patrons because there's one that up their donation and I didn't get to mention him on air, even though I thanked him in person. And that's Eddie Quintana. He's been literally a day one guy. So he's been there from the very beginning and he's now a giggle guy. And we haven't used him in a while, but we're, we're thinking about him and we're definitely want to bring him back at some point because he's, he's, he's very good. He's a very good storyteller, very good talker. And then we have Luke Dolly and Luke, Again, he's been here a long time, and I talk to him a lot. He he really loves the content, and he moved up from bonus to to gigalug. So you know he's gotten an episode himself, and thank you so much, Luke. Like that's that's yeah, great. Thanks, We're, guys. You know we love to have you guys aboard, and and you guys have been rock solid in in helping us build this. So yeah, you guys are you guys are awesome. And and then I'm going to talk about some awesome new people that I've never met before, or talked to. Uh, there's one that I did talk to. And there's another that I've been friends with for a while, but I'm going to talk about everybody. So let's talk about the monthly patrons first, because there are monthly patrons and then there's the yearly patrons. And then uh, I'll get into a little bit in a second. So let's start off by thanking Adam Chaws. He joined the bonus leg tier for $1 a month. Thank you very much, Adam. And then next, Thomas Bacher, $1 a month. Thomas, thank you so much. We have a returning patron, Jeff Zeba joining up for a dollar a month too. Thank you very much, Jeff. Mark Normandy. Thank you, Mark. Luke Tamburin. Thank you, Luke. And uh, Andrew MacArthur. Thank you, Andrew. That means a lot to us to, to see all those names and to see that you guys are interested in this. And we hope that we're fulfilling the content standard and that we're, we're putting out good stuff. That that's We hope you guys just enjoy it. So let's talk about some of the people that join the bonus leg per year. And I'm going to shout out a great friend of mine, Lila Barzagar. She's just been awesome. We have great conversations. We have inside jokes with each other. She's, she's the thimble in all this, and she'll get that. 
yet. Nobody else will, but can't wait. We've been talking about St. Louis for a while. We've been talking about Vegas for a while, but I finally get to meet her in Vegas and just great. Uh, she joined up and, and just a great friend. So thank you so much, Leela. Daniel Panozo joining. Thank you so much, Daniel. Nicholas Sweet, who I believe I've seen his name before and haven't really talked to, but I know that he's from Australia. That's that's what I know about him. I know he's from Australia, and I believe he's commented on a couple things, but uh, he, he says he's a listener. He said I really like the show, so thank you so much, Nicholas, for joining up. And we have Sean Becker. So thank you to Sean as well. And for a lot of you guys that I haven't talked to before, this is fantastic. Now I get new people to talk to, new people to hear from and, and learn your stories. And, and that's really great. That's, that's one of the best things uh, about what we do. And a big shout out to our newest Gigaleg patron. His name is Mike Cribier. We're going to talk to Mike a little bit when I get to Vegas. And if you remember the story about the brother during the San Diego show about the brother who passed away back in 2016 that Ed was taking a request for that. That was Mike's brother. Yeah. He put out the the story on the forum. It's been around for a while and his request ended up being for in my tree. And that's why they tagged it off a daughter. So I've talked to him a little bit and we're going to get to talk to him a little bit more and get to know his story. So uh, thank you so much, Mike. Great to have you aboard. Amazing story as well. Glad, glad to hear that Ed heard you out and took your request. It's just, fantastic so and also i'd like to thank tim fortescue for joining on the giggle egg tier for the year thank you so much tim and so many great patrons Uh, again can't be any more thankful you guys you guys are awesome again all the reaction episodes are over on patreon so if you want to join up you guys know what to do patreon.com slash live on four legs or go to live on four legs.com and click the become a patron button and honestly while you're there just check out all the stuff there's lots of stuff there's a we we did the series called all the memories going around where all of us that contribute to the podcast and contribute to the website we wrote about like one of the locations that they're doing on this tour i think we got to all of them except for fresno because fresno only had one show and we talked about some of the best moments that that are memorable moments from those shows, from everything from Vegas and Sacramento that came out this week to the L.A. ones and, and San Diego and Oakland. Like, fantastic job to everybody that, that helped us out with that. And definitely go and check that stuff out. The great thing that we've been waiting on doing for so, 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 so long is getting these Concertpedia recaps in. John, this is your birth child and this is the the thing that you were dead set on let's do this and let's kind of follow in the footsteps so that we're at almost the end of the first leg here and that we've done all this and we've stayed up and we've watched all the live streams like what what's what's that been like it's just been amazing experience i mean kind of just being a part of something that goes back to the the early days of the band and like feeling like you're you know part of this lineage and part of the story I've really enjoyed, you know, going through, you know, the ones that you've written, the ones that I've been able to do. I, I just really enjoy sitting down and just kind of reliving, you know, what happened and making sure we were telling the, the story and making it part of the bigger narrative. And, you know, that when, when it's all said and done, people will be able to go back and read through it and really feel like they were there and feel like they understand the story. That's going to be the big thing for me. So, yeah, it's just been great. I, everything I'd hoped for. 
and every show has been coming out the morning after. Imagine that, because honestly, like these are West Coast shows. We're over on the East Coast. You're close to Atlanta. I'm, I'm somewhere in Connecticut, and we're staying up till three o'clock in the morning to to take notes and to do the Twitter updates and Facebook updates. But it's important to us, and that's why we're doing it. And then the next morning, we have almost like before lunchtime we'll have the recaps out they've been all really really good and and from not just what i've been able to do but you kind of add your two cents in you know when you're editing them as well and it, it sort of enhances the idea of what we're going for with these with the quotes and with tying the story together and that's the thing that i think both of us really enjoy out of this and we've just thank you to chris ever as well obviously he's been our our webmaster and getting the stuff in and being on the same page as us and getting the art done and and publishing as as soon as he can he's he's been really dedicated and he's uh, helped us out so much so yeah thank chris and honestly if you see him on social media you should thank him too I definitely can't wait for the European tour when the shows will be in the early afternoon. <laughs> right. Well, honestly, the sweet spot is like starting at like eight or nine, because if it's an afternoon show, then I got, I got a parent. I got, and yeah. you got a parent. Yeah. So yeah. it might, yeah. it might be a little bit more. My, my kids are at least will be old. I can, I can put them in front of like a, a movie and like they'll, they'll sit and watch a movie. Your, yours is a little yeah. different. You're Mine not there yet. will probably be close to walking by the time that okay. the European okay. shows happen. Maybe not quite there because it'll be a year in, in July, but very, very close. Whatever it is, we'll figure it out and we'll obviously have all the stuff for you, all the information that you need. So back to the rock. We don't got too many Pearl Jam songs left out of this. But they're all pretty great. It's Rearview Mirror, and then it's going to be Whipping, then it's going to be Leash, and then it's going to be Porch. Let's go to Rearview Mirror first, obviously, because that's what they're opening up with here. And it's, again, no pleasantries to get you back in, just ripping off Rearview Mirror and going on into this. And Ed does the not about to give thanks, fuck And, like, that's showing that he's feeling loose, he's feeling good, and the performance is, is, is really tight. And Stone's doing something nice and atmospheric during the bridge. It kind of oh, reminds yeah, love, me... love it. Love Stone's guitar here. I'm going to make like another like, oh, you shouldn't say that. But does that part kind of remind you of the SNL version a little bit? Um, It's related, I would say. But yeah, he's doing like a little accented, like almost it's not quite a counter melody, but it's it's something that's accenting the off rhythm a little bit. It, it adds a really nice counterpoint to what Ed and Mike are doing. It's the three of them working together. Sounds really, really good on this. Yep, you know, it's a shorter version. They don't jam on it in 1993 as much, but it's able to really ramp you back up, get the big bass build, and and have a massive finish on this, too. What else can you say? We finally got it on this tour, so we're happy, and we don't have to complain during this, so it's a win for everybody. Yeah, come back soon, Rearview Mirror. Don't be a stranger. Vegas, baby. All right, let's uh, Whipping and Leash. I want to put these two together because I feel like they have very similar stories leash is kind of the versus song that was a standout of the 10 era and you can kind of attribute leash more to the 10 era almost than versus because some of the big highlights like pink pop and and some of the other shows like there's a lot of festival shows where they're playing leash and there's a lot of the holland shows that we're doing they all have great versions of leash whipping is kind of on on the other side where you know they recorded it for versus it got left off and they're playing it you know a lot during the store they're playing it a whole lot i think by this time let's look at the number on this whipping had been played 16 times 
which is a lot because it seemed like they had like 25 shows up until this point. So that, that's a lot. Yeah, that's Dissonant lot. was only on 18. So yeah, almost uh-huh. right there. Right. And to me, I know, I know it is Vitalogy, but like, it's the same sort of thing. It's kind of the Versus song that ended up being on Vitalogy. Yeah, they recorded it for Versus. It was around. I love both versions here. I, and I think whipping is kind of something to highlight, uh, you know, just the sound, the like the pogo bounce that's emanating from Stone's guitar. And they were kind of going with that at the time. And it's a speed drill from front to back. There's no letting up. There's almost no performance of the song that, that does let up. But like, this is just, it's a scorcher, if you know what I mean. Sure. Oh, yeah. It's 1993. I mean, you look at these four songs, you're getting... Rearview mirror whipping leash and porch. That's like nonstop. That's like yeah. you're, getting, you're getting punched in the face repeatedly. Yeah. Imagine if they did that now. Oh my god! Like Ed would need he'd need a ten minute break <laughs> after this. And again, like this is a condensed set because you know, they know what's coming next. You know the crowd doesn't know, but they know. So they're like, let's fucking kill this crowd before we get out of here. In between these two. Ed mentions there's a book by Kurt Vonnegut that got thrown up there. I can't find any good quotes right off the bat, but he once said, we're all here to fart around. Don't let anybody get in your way. That's a, I I don't know how many people take Kurt Vonnegut quotes and, and use that one as like the, the, the shining quote of his, if you know what I mean. Right. Right. But that's Ed for you. I'm sure he would have a different one nowadays or eh, maybe not. The nice intro to leash. Yeah, of course. Drop the leash, drop the leash, yeah. get out of my fucking face. Anything on leash before we can move the porch or like no. just, hey, it just enhances how powerful this era is. But nothing more to say. Porch, you're getting like screechy solo from Mike. And there's also a really intense moment where the strobe light comes in. I don't think I remember too many moments where you get a strobe light on porch. Yeah, they, I didn't, I don't feel like they were using it as much in the early 90s as they would later, but. For me, it's the, oh, it's the tearing, the, the Ron's band tag on this that is just scorching. Ed feels like he's trying to tear, no, no pun intended, trying to tear the roof off this place. Yeah, this is an intense porch from all aspects. Like, there's a part, like, during the strobe light where Dave is just, just hounding that, that, that snare, just doing this just rolling kind of beat and just kind of building something up while you hear Mike's guitar just sounds like it's something out of like a horror movie it gets really eerie and intense but but fast and kind of like almost dangerous in a way like this is like i don't know i don't want to say psycho kind of feel but because psycho is something sort of different but this is something that you can envision being in sort of a modern day sort of horror movie if you if you know what i mean yeah i can see that had a little bit of you call a guitar scary sounding that you could think of something else but like a little bit of an intensity when you when you see it you're going to be afraid oh yeah it, like it, it's it, in, it strikes in, fear yeah yeah it's a good way to put it
think my last thought of this that I jotted down is that you need to catch your breath at the end of the song, which people get to do. They don't know what's coming next. They're like, oh, we got all the hits. We got all the good stuff. Why? They're coming back out. Okay, we're satisfied, but not so fast. Stone says, all right, we got some special guests tonight, and Mudhoney opened up, so Steve Turner, Mark Arm, and Jeff and I and Chuck from Urge Overkill, we're going to play for you guys. We're going to do a little Green River for you. Now, I highly doubt that a lot of people in this crowd, it seems like Green River was very big in Seattle and didn't, you know, obviously molded into these two bands and what they became, and it's part of their story, but I don't think Green River really left Seattle much, and most of the reason why they, they've gained a lot of late popularity is because all, all four of them were in this. It's one of those things where I was getting into Pearl Jam and obviously you you know you go back and look and like I'm one of those people that wants to to dig in and like find the next thing so like around this time I was like aware of Green River but the records were impossible to find the CDs were hard to find we talked to you know mail order from Sub Pop and get the catalog and everything but Green River, like, I don't know about you, but, like, I don't know if you've ever gotten into Green River, but, like, it's something that I remember trying to get into because, like, I was like, oh, I'm going to get into Green River and Malfunction and the Human and, like, all the Seattle stuff. Like, oh, I'm going to really dig in. But it never really stuck with me. It's almost like it's a mix of, like, a little bit of, like, the Bowie stuff that was around Seattle mixed with, like, the garage rock of, of Mark Arm and Steve Turner, what would become Mud Honey like a little bit of a punk edge that kind of like what Jeff was bringing to it a little bit. It's It never seemed like it quite molded into what it should have become. It almost felt it was always a little embryonic as a band. And then I've tried to go back and listen to it and it never really sticks with me. I haven't done a deep dive, but from what I have done and like my just analysis from it is that yeah, the garage rock, like garage punk is a great way to put it. And when I think of garage punk, I think the first thing I think of is the Stooges. And I think, I don't know if they were trying really hard to like just imitate the sound of the Stooges, but it feels oh, like Mark, Mark Arm definitely he, right pop influence. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, of, of course. And a lot of times where he comes on stage, they'll, they'll do search and destroy. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but I think that's where it's, it's, it's a miss that I, I think that green river couldn't find who green river was. And they were just right. sort of right. trying to figure their own influences into what they do and, and just have fun with it. And uh, I sort of have the same take on mud honey. Mud honey is of course way more established and they've got some great stuff, but it still has that garage rock feel to it. But again, more established, but it makes sense why stone and Jeff wanted to move on. Let's just put it that way. And yeah, you know, I, I don't know the full story. I don't know the full story, but it seems like that, when Stone and Jeff left to to create Mother Love Bone, it seemed like there was a little bit of a rift between Steve and Mark and Stone and Jeff. It seemed like there was a little division because I guess that Mark especially thought they were onto something good and that they were really establishing themselves and, and he wanted to go forward with it. But I don't think that Mark really wanted to change what Green River was, if you know what I mean. Yeah, they were always, you know, headed in in different directions. You know, the story is Jeff and Stone wanted to be more commercial 
and, you know, wanted to kind of be more of a quote-unquote rock band. And Mark and Steve wanted to be more of the underground, the the punk garage band. And they eventually, you know, they eventually both found what they needed. But this is really cool to me. Now, you talked about, you know, Stone comes on and you mentioned Stone earlier, introduces them. And, like, he's so excited. And then Ed comes on, says, oh, this is history. Like, I got the chills. And it's, he's just so cute. He's, you know, he introduces them and he goes off with his little, you know, super eight recorder and just stands off the side of the stage, just recording with his video. Like it's adorable. Yeah. I I didn't get a chance to to say what was at the end of stone's quote here. And that's, Mm -hmm. you're just going to have to sit through it because we decided we just wanted to do it. So if you guys don't want to hear it, then fuck you. Like I said, the crowd isn't going to know this shit, but they had they had fun. The Pearl Jam set was was 17 songs long. It was great. They got what they wanted. They pretty much got every great song that they had. And now they get to witness this history. Like Ed said, like, I think that maybe they don't understand like something like this. If it were to happen now, a Green River reunion, like like as Temple the Dog did at, at, at PJ20, I think that people would be all over this and people would understand. But back then it was just like, OK, Pearl Jam. And we don't yeah. know what the rest of this is. So, yeah, they just reissued those Green they River did. records a couple of years ago on Sub Pop. Yeah, it's good they stuff. did. I think I have one of them and I don't think yeah, I, I broke yeah. the seal on it. So after this, I might want to sure. just to, just to see. So, all right, Mark, right before going into swallow, my pride says I found a quarter. I feel lucky. Las Vegas hasn't seen rock and roll like this since 1972. And you know, like, yeah, he's a punk guy, but he has that lead singer flair. Oh that, yeah. He's a, he's a showman. Yeah. Right, 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 right. And he's going to like, Almost in a way like Kiss. Kiss would say something like that, right? Mm. Vegas hasn't seen rock and roll like, like yeah. You know? He's he's a little bit. He's you know he's got a little bit more sarcasm to it. There's a little bit more. Sure, of, of course. Of, you know, poking not, a little not fun at it while embracing it. Yeah, he's 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 trying to have it a little bit of both ways there. Yeah, it's it's well done. A shout out to Matt that always tells me to go and listen to if if you just want a huge laugh. There's like. 30 minutes on YouTube of Paul Stanley just going, are you ready to rock Chicago? And look, I wish I can go higher with it, but I can't. But it's 30 minutes of him just like pandering. You're all Minnesota. Right, like right. And it's just funny. So yeah, if, if you haven't listened to that, go on YouTube and go find it. So all my pride.
broke up in 1987, so it had been six years since they played this, so right from the jump, like, you can see the giddiness between everybody, from Steve and Mark, and even Chuck in the back looks like he's having a lot of fun, too. But Stone, especially, he's just a madman on this, and, like, he's, he's bright-eyed, he's bushy-tailed, he's smiling, and he's, you know, Steve Turner is, is kind of a cool cat, he's kind of collected, he's not, like, a in-your-face in kind of guy. He's he's kind of more of a, I'll go with the flow and, you know, I'll just play and I enjoy playing. But, I, I like, Stone is trying to get a rise out of Steve almost. And it's really funny. Yeah, you can tell, like, Stone has been looking forward to this for a long time. He's having a great time. Yeah, that's, that's really the thing that sticks out is the kind of, like, personality clash between what Mark and Steve are and what Jeff and Stone are even to this day. Because I think Stone even says something after this and Jeff kind of comes on and be like, Come on, Stone. Like, don't do that to these people. <laughs> but <laughs> he says, are you guys, you guys are still pretty excited about this, right? Yeah, Almost yeah. like kind of like insecure about doing right. this. You right. nobody knows about it. And then Marcus just like, don't apologize. Come on. Like, I think that was Jeff, right? Jeff comes on. Oh, was that Jeff? I thought it was Mark. Was Jeff. Okay. Yeah. Hell, it could have been Chuck. Who knows? Right after the song, Mark says something like, welcome to Green River Mach 4. The puppet show is next. Again, one of those like, you know, quotable things that you put on like a, a highlight reel sort of thing. He just has yeah. so many of those. Then they get to a song that technically debuts and then comes back much later in Pearl Jam's history. And for the next number, Jeff wrote, it's a thing called a jazz odyssey. Chuck leaves and Dave A comes on place. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. But jazz <laughs> to see Jazz Odyssey. One of the one of the greats from Pearl Jam that, you know, it, it sort of it the came back a little bit. It kind of came back a little bit. They they reworked it. They reworked it because Mike Mike listened to this version. He's like, you know what? It doesn't have enough experimental jazz on it. So they probably so we're gonna have to call we're gonna have to call free jazz a, a Green River cover now. I mean, by the rules of Pearl Jam Laura, like I think that's the case. Like we're gonna have to talk, we're gonna have to have a strong conversation with Dave about this and the stat tracker guys who I had some strong and good conversations with about other songs. Yeah, this jazz is On the Odyssey, conversation that no one else will care about. No, and that's great because <laughs> I like being unique. I like being the different <laughs> one. So that's the best way I can. Ah, just once. Can I do it just once? Jazz, jazz, experimental jazz. And again, I wish I could go louder, but this mic might break. So, <laughs> and also somebody's crowd surfing during this. What the fucking fuck? Yeah. Yep. And again, Green River is not the end of the show. We still got more and there's going to be crowd surfing during that too. If I hear the wheels are coming off and it's just, it's exactly what you think it is by us explaining it. Ain't nothing to do is the next and final Green River song out of the three. Sick of romance, get real sick of you. Wanna get a 
And you know what? I like I like these performances. I really did. I liked these songs. I thought these songs were pretty catchy, and I think it's probably a little bit different in a live setting than listening to it on a record where it's just, you know, the recording techniques, they're not perfect, and like it's got this like hollow sound. And I know when they re-released them, they, they definitely remastered them a little bit, but here it feels like they have definitely grown as musicians and definitely kinda figured out a groove and figured out like how to how to work together you know instead of just being this thrash garage punk band yeah i mean this is a dead boys cover just like sonic producer and they would actually bring this back in reno a few days later but yeah this is the one i i think is better i like this one more than i think it comes off better than swallow my pride i feel like they were a little more comfortable on the second song and, and Dave adding a little bit more to you see Jeff just leaping back and forth during this it's it, they were having a great time I like this a lot you can kind of say like and Mudhoney and Pearl Jam like they've been such great friends but you know they invited Mudhoney out on this tour and I'm gonna guess that it took you know a couple of years for them to sort of mend fences and of course when Stone and Jeff and everybody else in the band, that Mike and, and Ed and Dave, of course, that all became friends. I'm sure when they got home to Seattle, they needed to sort of, as they would say in Lucan, you know, go to Lucan's and go somewhere to, that they need to get away from the shit. And it seems like Mudhoney were the friends that were always there. And, you know, they got interviewed on PJ20. Like, they've been super, super close. And this is the first time that you get to see this connection. And it's probably mending a lot of the struggle from Stone and Jeff leaving the band. Because, of course, like we said, Mark, he thought he had a good thing going. And then it was kind of dropped. And, you know, to see that this band that's the biggest band in the world invite these guys that are, are just like the fifth band from Seattle, essentially into the fold that's special for them that's special for them and i think that ever since that day they've been constant in touring as being the openers and anytime they are you can really expect something special coming from the pearl jam set whether it's search and destroy whether it's kick out the jams motherfucker whatever it is they're always involved in something so yeah it's just great and they've reunited you know green river is this is not the last one they reunited for like the 20th anniversary sub pop party and they've they've done stuff here and there you know throughout the year so this this wasn't the end i will bring back jeff jumping and skipping because Mm -hmm. that's how happy jeff is here that he's kind of like you know doing like a i don't know like a parade skip or something like that i have no idea but (laughs) it wasn't as as basketball like as it was during geez i can't even remember what song it was it was so long ago in this conversation i can't even remember i know you said animal but there was another one was it blood i don't know whatever it was but yeah it just everybody's excited steve and stone they both get their own solo section which is just really cool i don't know if that was a piece of what the song actually was but mark shouting them out like steve stone just big moments and uh then at the end another quotable moment from mark arn he says thank you pearl jam's up next which isn't exactly true ed's here (laughs) It's not really Ed as we know Ed, but he's here, and he comes out with a friend. His name is Terry, last name Presley. And of course, you know, he's dressed up in the whole Elvis shtick, and, you know, I can get into my whole thing about Elvis. I'm sure I've talked about it before, but I, I, like, hate Elvis culture. (laughs) I don't know why. I just, like, 
I had a friend in college that his dad was an Elvis impersonator and, and came to pick him up at school, like wearing rhinestones and shit like that. And I'm just like, ah, I fucking hate this. This is awful. And I hope that when I'm in Vegas, I'm like going to see probably just you're like gonna be, a, you're going to be surrounded a, by it. a yeah. parade of Elvises trying to yep. get some money off the street. And I'm just going to hate it. I'm just going to hate every bit of it. But we're going to need we're going to need some footage for the documentary from that. Oh, I will. It'll be nonstop. It'll be nonstop. They say they're going to do an Elvis song. I didn't know that this was an Elvis song. I didn't even know it was written by Paul Anka. I just know everybody knows it as Sinatra, right? Yeah. yeah. This was like Elvis comeback. Oh, uh, the El- where he Elvis in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Ed has got this black velvet jacket on. This is before the Frog's jacket, which I'm sure he would have been wearing. And, yeah, he's kind of showing off his crooning heritage a little bit. You know what I mean? Like He's, his, he's got that in him. Yeah. Right? His fa- what we've learned, yeah. his father. Regrets I've had a few But they're too few To mention I'll dare What I have It's all through Without exemption of course the ladies are all swooning over this because <laughs> it's uh it's Ed, ed's moment to be swooned he didn't have much back then it's funny, like they, he, he takes it. He takes the first like Terry takes the first line and then gives hands the mic over to Ed. And Ed, you know, he kind of he's doing his crooner thing. He's he's keeping it pretty faithful, and then gives it back to Terry. And then he starts playing it up with the crowd a little bit. Starts like messing around a little bit. And then he gets the microphone back, and he you can tell he's like, oh, okay, I'm I'm done with this now. He like kind of like makes fun of it. Makes you know changes his voice a little bit. Goes a little higher. Does a little funny thing with it, and then. Gives it back to Terry. Terry's all about it. He's in. He's in his element. He loves that. That guy's probably you know one of the biggest crowds he's played for. Probably. Yeah. It's just just a little fun thing. Like Eddie, a chance for him to kind of like show a different side of him. You know, we saw him during Porch and during Alive and during Go. Like this intense dude, and like he gets to come out and like kind of be loose and like have a little fun. Like he's he's interacting with people in the crowd, like tossing stuff around. So yeah, it's just just fun. Yeah, this is Eddie being drunk Eddie and yeah. just like fucking around in Vegas. What could have been his first time in Vegas? Who the hell knows? But uh, he's getting hats and shoes thrown at him during this right, too. right. What the fuck? And didn't this was this on a fan club single? Yes, the '95 fan club single. Yep, swallow yeah. my pride in my way. Yep, yeah. absolutely was. It's like two and a half minutes long. It's memorable scene to end the show. You know, it's not going out on Leadbetter or anything like that. But it's something that you don't forget. You can't wash your eyes away from it when you see it once. You'll always remember it. So, okay, this all is going to lead to fun conversations here. We're at the top three moments. So, oh, it's my turn, isn't it? I'm first. Is it? Okay. Yeah, I think it is. Well, if if it's not, then we're changing it up, I suppose. I'm going to say that number three, oh, man, I, I had two great moments that, and one of them has to get cut. 
Can I give two moments of the top three? I'm going to say, look, because I like the song better, I'm going to go with Go Over Dissident. I think Dissident you know, had something to prove to me. And Go is just like, I mean, that's that's tops. Like, that's cream of the crop right there. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Go as my number three. I'm going to go with Black as my number two. And I said it, and yeah, I won't take back what I said. Yeah, it's just it's just powerful. It's intense, and they, they build to something that is not unique within the song, but it makes the song definitely this version. You recognize and remember this because of the little aspects, and especially if you're watching, like you, like you mentioned, the whole Dave thing. Yeah, they, they were really into this one. No doubt about it. Home run here. And, and number one, it's so much fun. Just... Just, just watching this and getting to you know, see some friends getting together for you know the first time in six years and playing these songs that they're so happy about. It's it, it's Green River. I, I have to give it to Team Friendship, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm pretty close to where you are on that one. I should say too, I the the making of a moment is kind of a little bit on hiatus now during the tour. Very busy doing other tour-related stuff, but that that will come back at some point. But my top three for this are uh, Black, Porch, and Angry and River. Yeah, for the same reasons you mentioned. I'll throw in the, this Porch I thought was very good. The, the tearing tag on this bumped it up into the top three for me. All right. We're now going to talk about a popular show, one that, as we talked about earlier, it was a popular bootleg. It's one that, as Patrick kind of said, like he, it was it was kind of a weird choice for a vault. But, you know, uh, I think that a lot of people do see it kind of in high regard. So it is a show that has been sort of passed down from 1993 as, as one of the, the classics. And I think a lot of it does have to do with the reunion. I think a lot of it does have to do with how some of the, the Versus songs are being played. And let's kind of take it from this perspective. If you take the reunion out of it, it's a really good 1993 show. And it's like, it's a solid nine. It's a solid nine from that aspect. But you add in the reunion, you add in moments like with, with Elvis, Terry Elvis, Presley, and Jazz Odyssey, whatever, and yeah, it becomes special, it becomes unforgettable, and it's one of those shows that you go back to and talk to after all these years. I am going to give it the credit it deserves and give it a 10. Seconded. I mean, it, yeah, this is a special one that people still talk about, and getting the, the vault treatment and getting to hear it in all its glory just made it that much better. Yeah, even, like I said, even I think even without the Green River stuff and the Elvis stuff, that it's a very, very good show, nine, nine and a half range, because they were just that was where they were at that time. There aren't a lot that were less than that, but you got to add in the historical perspective of it. And it just, you get, you kind of get both ends of it. Like you get the intensity, you get the rage and all that, but then you get, you get to see the lighter side. You get to see them having fun. You get to see the excitement and then that makes it special. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all 10 for 10 on this one. And you know, what was kind of interesting about this from our perspective and the way that we, had a conversation about the Green River stuff. It got to us. Like it, we we had a lot of fun with it and we got a little excited about it. And I think that that mood change kind of tells you that if that can make you react a certain way, then it's special in its own right. So all the credit in the world and John, where is this going? It is going in the Hall of Fame. You you will hear us talk about it again in December. 
Yep, uh, we got a lot of Hall of Famers right oh, now. Having, a good, like having, a, good mm-hmm. having a good year so far. Five, good year so far. We set ourselves up for more later in the year. Six, so. I think this is number six. Is it six? Damn! Wow. Yeah. I, like back in February, where we we didn't have one, or we were working off of one. I'm like, ah, this will be a slow year, and we'll have to, you know, bring other shows that we've covered in and kind of give them the legacy vote in or or something. But no, I don't think we need it by now. The six is a pretty solid class, so. Yeah, yeah, we're on we're on pace. We're almost halfway through the year, so we're on pace for a good good crop. Let's talk about next week and let's talk about after talking about what we're doing next week. Today, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, if you're listening to this before Friday, the shows like I'm going to be out there and I just want to be able to meet everybody. And I think what's so special about these shows and really the last 2 years just being confined and it's not just the last two years because they really didn't tour since 2018 so i'm going to give it to four years the community when we're together we're connected and we all find common ground we all find things to love about each other and when we're apart we find our differences and we sort of find ways to dislike each other and we find ways to make things toxic and we find more of the hate that kind of brings out the worst in us. And that's a lot of, you know, going and hanging out on social media pages and going on Facebook or Twitter. And, and just sometimes you, you, you know, somebody will hear a take and they'll be like, Oh, well, I don't think that I think that's stupid. And like, that's not what our community is about. Like we're about like love and friendship and like, you know, all centered around this band that makes us feel a certain way, which is really unique and really special because not a lot of other bands fans can really say that. So yeah, the whole point of the tour documentary is enhancing that factor. It's telling people that there are good people in this community that care about this community that do great things. And I'm just so excited to meet those people. I got a, a bunch that are in line here that I'm just very stoked about. And when the doc comes out, it, it might be episodic. I think it's going to have to be episodic because I'm going to be taking a lot of footage. But, you know, I, I just want to be able and look, you could be, you know, a known member of the community where like people know your name and you're in like, you know, private groups and stuff like that. Or you can just be somebody that just loves the band and loves being around it. And, and like that that counts and that matters too. We want to talk to everybody like that's every perspective is important and super interesting in this. And yeah, just honestly, I'll, I'll probably be doing a lot of walking around the venue and for, for both places. And if you see me, stop me. Uh, even if um, I'm doing something, talking to someone, just tap me on the shoulder be like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm such and such and so, and so, and you know, I'll sit there and I'll, I'll talk to you and we'll, we'll get you a part of this, this documentary. And, um, if, if you're interested and in, yeah, like that, that's exciting to kind of get this going. So we got a couple days next week. We'll, we'll be back and really get to talk about all of it, which is just, it's going to be a whirlwind. It's going to be very exciting, but next week on the show, what we're going to cover is we're going to do our last vault that we need to do. And that's Missoula from 2005 Missoula being a pretty important city, of course, being Jeff's, you know, home. And we haven't done a Missoula show in a really, really long time, but it feels like any time they go to Missoula, it's for a purpose and it's, it, it kind of stands out. So, 
This one uh, will be interesting. At the time you guys did, you did it with Chris Buckley way back when. He hasn't done the show in forever, but you know, you did 2018 with him. I didn't didn't get a chance to to do that, so this will be my first to kind of you know talk about Jeff and and really get into those moments. So excited for that, right? Definitely. All right, folks. Hey, thanks for the ride. And again, if you want the reaction episodes, head on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash live on four legs. Thank you to everybody for that support. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. I miss you always. Spotify, Apple users, head on over, give us five stars, leave us a comment, let us know what you think, and that will help our visibility tremendously. Just need the help from you guys. That's all. All right, let's move on to next week and more shows and almost the end of this tour. We'll see you then. Up at shows next. Warren! Toronto! You feel good? All right, then, listen. You know, we may be under clear blue skies, but you know, it's getting a little cool out tonight, but that ain't gonna stop us. Cause if we try hard enough, we gonna get this place. I said we gonna get this place. Harder than hell. All right, listen. I wanna know if we got any people here tonight that like to get high. We got any people tonight that are high. All right then, listen. You know, every once in a while, we like to get a little wasted. We like to take a taste of alcohol. And I tell you, when we won't get going, we ain't going to be drinking no Southern Comfort. No, no. No, we ain't going to be drinking no tequila. Because I tell you, Well, we won't get going. You know there's only one drink that gets us moving. I can't hear you. I can't hear you.